happier people. Point number one reason, or number one reason why you're not happy. Number one, you're not happy because you don't have what you want. Have we ever been able to say that? Certainly so. Many people, even us as Christians, who quote-unquote know better, we're oftentimes unhappy because we don't have the things in life. And I'm not necessarily always talking about material things. That's usually where our mind goes to, but I'm not always talking about that. This is uh, probably true of most, uh, most, almost every unhappy person. Even if we're just unhappy for a moment, it's usually because we don't have something that we want. You know, I was going to put up a picture of a small baby here with a frown and a cry on his face. Usually babies let you know when they, there's something they're not getting that they want, don't they? And it's usually negative in nature because that's what they're that's what how they're made but we as adults know that we can't cry and throw a fit or we should know that when we're not getting what we want maybe we want to feel well but we don't so we're unhappy maybe we want a great marriage but we don't have it so we're unhappy maybe we want to be with people who we love but we can't for some reason so we're unhappy what should you do or what should we do if we're unhappy because you don't have or we don't have something we want? I believe simply put, we need to want what we have. Think about that for a moment. We need to want what we have. You know, God's word teaches us to be content with what we have. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Beginning there in verse number 6. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certainly certain we cannot carry anything out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Contentment is a great, I think, elusive feeling, attitude, lifestyle that many people in our world today have. Lack of contentment. We see it everywhere, don't we? We see it in the television. We see it on, on the internet. We see it in our personal interactions with other people. People are just not content because they don't have what they want. And oftentimes they don't want what they have. Okay? But I think for us as Christians, we need to realize that we the fact is we don't always have everything we want but we do have everything we need in Christ Philippians 4 and verse 19 Paul basically says that that we have everything that we need in Christ we need to learn what to want what you what we have and we won't be so concerned with what we don't have you know there's a book in our library I taught a adult class out of it years ago and the title of it I believe is called Wanting What You uh, Get or Wanting What You Have and hold on a minute I'll get it Getting What You Want and Wanting What You Have as Christians I think that's a very important concept isn't it turn in your Old Testaments to the book of Psalm Psalm 37 this is under the context of we're not happy because we don't have what we want. Psalm 
Psalm 37. I love this psalm here because it teaches us, I believe, God's way in terms of our needs and what we things we want and those sorts of things. Psalm 37, verse number 25. This psalm is attributed to King David. Psalm 37, 25. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. The King James Version renders their seed instead of descendants. Have not seen his descendants begging bread. I remember this verse very vividly because it was one of my granddad's favorite verses. He quoted it a lot. He was the individual that, many, like many of you uh, older folks, who grew up during the Depression or right around the Depression. And he was of the generation that didn't throw away anything. And he kept everything that he had because he grew up not having anything. And I would submit for our thinking, if we had less, we might be more appreciative of what we had. But I remember him always quoting that verse when he was talking about somebody being downtrodden or somebody being in, in dire straits uh, from that perspective. I found a poem, and this is my, actually my cousin found this poem in some of my grandmother's writings and materials and things. I don't know who wrote this poem. I don't believe she did, but she oftentimes found little poems and collected them and put them in a, a folder or something. This is a poem based on Psalm 37:25. It says, quote, Oh, I know you may get weary, and the times they may get rough. You may not have all you want, but you'll always have enough. And when your darkest hour comes, just remember what I said. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Oh, I know it seems so hopeless, and you don't know what to pray. You've done all you know to do, and it seems there's just no way. When you feel you're at the end, just remember what I said. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. I've never seen God's people with a need he could not meet. I know that he cares for his own and his promises he'll keep. So just hold on a little longer. The answer's soon to come. The endless waiting is almost over. The victory is almost won. And when again you feel his joy, you'll remember what I said. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Reason number two that we're oftentimes not happy. You're not happy because you're not doing things God's way. I think this could be said for many people in the world today who live by their own standards and their own rules disregarding God Almighty and His standards and His rules. You know, sometimes unhappiness comes from experiencing the consequences of poor choices. You know, choices have consequences. We all love choices, don't we? But we need to, oftentimes we fail to remember that choices have consequences. You know, experiencing painful consequences is often the motivation we need to make changes in our lives. 
If you're unhappy, you may need to ask yourself, have I caused this situation? If your unhappiness has been caused by your own sin, then own it. Repent of your sin, Luke 13, verse 3. Stop making the same choices that brought you to this point and start doing things God's way. You know, doing things God's way does not mean you'll never experience pain and suffering because we know that that's not the case. But you will experience far less pain and suffering in life when you stop bringing it upon yourself. You know, we've all known people and talked to folks who had difficulties in their life, most of which were of their own doing. And they just see it seems like such a foreign concept to them that they would turn to God. And my way of thinking, if you're doing things always your way, always the world's way, always what somebody else is telling you, that someone who's not a godly person, what, do you, what should you expect but to continue to keep digging that hole for yourself? Why not try God's way and start doing things that way? Point number three, or reason number three, why we're not happy. You're not happy because you're being ungrateful. Have you ever known anybody that's just ungrateful? Our kids are oftentimes ungrateful. We, when we were kids, I would suspect that we were oftentimes ungrateful with the things that our parents had worked so hard to provide for us. Oftentimes we as adults just take things for granted. You know, I've spent some time, as many of you have, in in third world countries on mission trips and things like that. When you see all that they don't have, but yet they're happy, it teaches a great lesson. I wish all of our young folks, 13, 14, 15 years old, could go into one of these countries and experience life without stuff. I think it teaches a great lesson. Sometimes I wonder, how could you think your life is, is horrible? Don't you know what you deserve? You know, every single one of us deserves death, if you really th- boil it down, because every single one of us has sinned, Romans 3 and 23 and Romans 6 and 23. Not just physical death, we deserve eternal death and eternity in hell that's prepared for those who live outside of of God's word. As long as you're not in hell, this author here says, or this writer here says, you have a life that is better than you deserve. If you're in Christ, you have an abundant life. Look at John 10. Look at John 10, verse 10. Jesus speaking here. He's contrasting himself. He's telling his disciples here that he's the good shepherd. Let's back up to verse number 7. Catch the context. He said, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10. The thief does not come to accept, but accept to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, in contrast, I have come that they might have life, and they may have it more abundantly. 
We have so much to be great, grateful for, thankful for. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse number 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why waste your life being ungrateful when we have so much to be grateful for, both materially and, more so importantly, spiritually? You know, I think one of the greatest ways that we can turn our frown upside down, so to speak, is by remembering how blessed we really are. Sometime, if you want a little fun exercise, start your day by counting your blessings and give praise to God for all the things that He blesses us with. I think it'll teach us a great lesson. And before long, I, would, I believe that we won't be unhappy anymore. So we, don't, we need to rise above ungratefulness and be always grateful for the things we have. Number four, you're not happy because you're being selfish. I think we could all raise our hands to that from time to time, couldn't we? If I ask you, who are you trying to make happy? And you answered, myself, I would respond, that's your problem. When you focus on yourself, you are destined to be unhappy. In fact, when you chase happiness and self-satisfaction, you are destined to be unhappy. You know, so many people in this world today, and I think Christians can fall into this trap sometimes too, is looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Looking for happiness in material things, looking for happiness in education, looking for happiness in beauty, looking for happiness in prestige. Those things are only going to be disappointing. Oh, they may provide temporary happiness, but it won't last. You're going to have to continue chasing the next best thing, the next greatest thing. Because your happiness is never going to be, the true source of happiness is never going to be found. It's only when you stop thinking about your happiness and your own self-satisfaction that you can truly experience happiness. And I would submit even further for that, it's until you allow God to define happy in your life. You won't find true happiness until you submit yourself to Him. You know, happy people die to themselves and live for Christ. Galatians 2 and 20, a very familiar passage that we, we oftentimes talk about. You know, when you die to self, you can experience a happiness or a joy that transcends your circumstances. Remember what James had to say in James 1 verse 2. Again, one of my favorite passages. Count it all joy when you fall into many or multiple temptations, problems, trials of life. When you live to please God and to do His will, then you will experience true happiness and joy. Will you never have sad times? Sure you will. We're all human. But 
I'm, I'm, the, the level of happiness I'm talking about allows us to live in an unhappy world and around unhappy circumstances, but it doesn't impact us because we know where our true source of happiness comes from. It's not in the world. It's not in relationships with people. It's not in money. It's not in all those things. That's the true happiness that I'm trying to, to explain. You will never find true and lasting happiness in a romantic relationship, in money, in more stuff, in a better job, etc. The only place you will find true happiness that lasts is in Christ. Reason number five. You're not happy because you're comfortable being unhappy. Surely not. Have you ever known anybody, that people that just, they just love to be unhappy? They don't know how to be happy, really, because they love to dwell in pity and in Oh, woe is me. You might be saying, well, wait a minute. Nobody wants to be unhappy. That may be true. Nobody may want to be unhappy. But many people are comfortable being unhappy. Some people are comfortable being unhappy because they don't want to go through the pain of changing. It is hard making the necessary changes to become a happy person. After all, dying to self is hard. But I think it's harder living a miserable life, and it's especially harder living a miserable eternity. The Greek word for happy is makarios. I think I pronounced that correctly. It's found nine times in Matthew chapter 5, the first chapter there where the Sermon on the Mount is recorded. It's re it, we find it 50 times in the King James Version of the Bible. So you may, you're going to have to ask yourself the question, do I really want to be happy? Am I willing to do what's necessary to be happy? If so, I would encourage you, and let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5, and read this passage from time, actually the whole Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew from time to time. I'm going to read Matthew 5 beginning there in verse number 2 and go through verse number 12. But instead of the word there that's listed, probably your translation says blessed, we're going to use the word happy. Jesus speaking here, verse number uh, 2, Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Happy are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when they revile you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, Jesus says, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's what blessed means, to be happy, 
to be satisfied, to be fulfilled. The key to happiness is not what people expect. In fact, it's the opposite of what most people expect, but it works. If you really want to be happy, stop doing things your way. Surrender and do things God's way. As we bring this to a close tonight, I hope these points have been uh, encouraging to you. Again, they're not intended to be harsh, but to be practical in nature and honest. You know, as Christians, we should be the happiest people on the earth. Let me repeat that. We should be the happiest people on earth. Does that mean that things are never going to happen to us that cause us pain or difficulty? No. But we're blessed by the Creator. We're blessed with the forgiveness of sins. We're blessed with the hope of eternity in heaven. We're blessed with brothers and sisters in Christ and our church family. We're blessed with folks who care about us for us and not just because they're supposed to. We are a blessed people and we should be happy because of that. If you are a child of God, again, we are blessed above the general population of this world. You know, when Peter and James and John and other the apostles early there in the after the, the church was established on Acts, in Acts 2. Acts 4 and verse 13 records that they were out preaching and teaching the word and called before the council. And the council observed that they had been with Jesus. Sure, they'd been with Jesus in a physical sense. They'd been with Jesus in a spiritual sense. Jesus had been their teacher, their rabbi, their mentor for the past three or so years but you know we can exhibit that same attitude and people can see in us that we've been with Jesus we haven't been with him in a physical form but yet through his word we can learn all there is to know about him and we can exhibit that those characteristics in our daily lives and I would challenge us that that as we do that and as we try to incorporate more and more of his characteristics and his example into our lives, the happier we'll be and the world can see Jesus in us. Tonight, if you're here as not a Christian, you haven't done the things that the New Testament prescribes for you to be in Christ. Would you not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Based upon that belief, that faith, would you not be willing to repent? That means to change. And we know that change is difficult. We know that it's hard, but it's so vitally necessary because it's a requirement of being a Christian. Confess the wonderful name of Christ before this group. Continue to confess Him by the way that you live your life every day, day in and day out, good times, bad times. Continue to confess, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Be baptized in water, meeting the cleansing blood that washes away sin, arising to walk in newness of life. God will add you to his church, Acts 2 and 47. His kingdom, his body, that same body that Christ will return someday in the air and receive us and we'll be with him forever in heaven. It could be in times past that you've done those things, but you as a Christian have allowed sin to come back into your life. Maybe it's a sin 
that has difficult consequences, and as a result, you're unhappy. Thankfully, the blood of Christ continues to flow from Calvary, providing that cleansing, providing that way of reconciliation to be friends with God once again. Would you not take advantage of it even tonight? If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, would you come as we stand, as we sing? There's a great day coming, a great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by, when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready?